If you have your Bibles, would you please turn with me to Matthew 25. We're kind of in a mini-series here, and we had a, a blend of Christmas and this series last week with what was called the Christmas Bonus. And this series is just simply uh, recognizing the grace of giving. And last week we talked about how as uh, the Lord in His grace has given us Christ and given us new life, it is from that place of salvation that we are gracious in generosity toward others. And so we'll continue to unpack that with this message that's entitled, Resourced to Resource. And uh, you'll hear how this kind of makes sense with this message, but in Matthew 25, uh, it'll break some of this down. I want to start with just a few questions, though, for us to ponder, for us to consider before we get into the Word together. And so let's just evaluate these. These are thought-provoking questions. I don't need all of you to answer this out loud at the same time. But the question is this, if you had no time constraints, any amens out there, no time constraints or restrictions or deadlines, what are some of the things that you wish to accomplish? Just think that through. If you knew there wasn't any, any obligations for you and, and you just could do anything, what would you want to accomplish? Some of you are like, we'd finally get that remodeling project done, right? Or whatever the case might be, but think through that. What would you want to accomplish if you knew there was no time restrictions or obligations or deadlines? The next question, if you could have any gifts or abilities, what would you want to do with them and why? So think through that a little bit. If you had any gifts or abilities, what would you want to do with them and, and why would you want to do that? Uh, what, what, why is it that those things are coming to your mind right now? And then this last question. If someone covered all of your needs until the day that you die, how would you start spending your money right now? If you knew that someone's going to cover all of your needs until the day that you die, how would you start spending uh, your money? Okay, those are some questions to kind of kick off this message, Resourced to Resource. And uh, before we begin, I want to just kind of do an illustration, but I'm going to need some help from you guys. Does anybody have a $100 bill on them today? Wow, okay. Well, she's right up here. I'm going to go with Gloria. And anything else you want to hand to me? Okay. $100 bill. Thanks, Gloria. So we're going to have a little game here, all right? Uh, this $100 bill, thanks for this blessing to use for this illustration. Um, I'm going to take this $100 bill, and I'm going to give it to somebody. And so, Gina, there you are. Yep. You're welcome. <laughs> thanks, Gloria. And like I said last week, we thank the Lord, right? Yep. You know what? I'm going to give it to somebody else now. So, Gloria, you just gave to Gina. Now, Gina is going to give to Lois. There you go. Yeah, isn't that a nice thing? You can go out for lunch now. Yeah. Thank you, Gina. Thank you, Gloria. Thank you, God. Right? Hey, do we have a, a guy that can bring the offering bucket up here? We'll take this a step further. And once this goes in there, I can't get that thing out. <laughs> Thank you, Gloria. 
we're going to put that in there. Appreciate it. All right. Well, thanks, Lois, for giving to the offering today. Appreciate it. And Gina, thank you as well. And, and Gloria, thank, thanks to you for, for giving to the offering. All right, if you have uh, your Bibles, let's carry on, shall we? Who else has a $100 bill? Anybody? <laughs> now, there's a part of you that's like, there's no way Russ would just take $100 from somebody, pass it around, and then just put it in the offering. There's got to be something going on, right? Well, before the service, I gave that $100 to Gloria. Notice how quick her hand whipped up there. But what's interesting is there's a gentleman this week that gave me that $100. And so it wasn't like the church just pulled $100 out for the purpose of an illustration. There's a grace of giving that was at work that led up to this testimony. In fact, when that person gave me the $100 this week just as a blessing, my immediate thought was, and I knew I wanted to do this illustration, I thought, that's the $100 bill I'm going to use. And the whole purpose of this illustration is to make a point here. I want us to realize that God is the owner of everything. That was not Lois's $100. That was not Gina's $100. That was not Gloria's $100. That was not my $100. Nor was it the $100 of this man that gave that to me this week. It belongs to God. There's a verse that backs this up. Psalm 24, verse 1, it says, The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it, the world, and all who live in it. God owns everything. And when it comes to our resources, think this through. Everything that I think is mine is actually His. We're not the owner of anything. We are stewards of what belongs to the Lord. And everything that you have is an investment that God has made in your life. He's given you resources, how should we use them? I want to set up our passage here today. We're going to be walking through the parable of the talents. Perhaps you've heard this passage a hundred times in a message, and I hope that today there's things we walk through that might bring something new out, but my hope is that even if it's not new, there's something the Holy Spirit's just doing in our heart in response to the Word today. But the parable of the talents, we're going to read it, but I want to set it up just by kind of walking through the story here. But there's a master who has some servants, and the master's going to leave for a while. And so when the master leaves, he puts these servants in charge of his possessions. And so to one servant, he gives five talents. To another, he gives two. And to another one, he gives only one talent. And in, when we talk about talents here in this passage, when he gave them to him, talents was actually a bunch of money. Okay, In fact, it was 10 years' wages. And so to kind of walk through that and understand, let's just say someone makes roughly $500,000 in 10 years. Okay, So do the math there. He gave to one $2.5 million. And to another one, he gave $1 million. 
And then to another one, he gave the $500,000. And he says, I want you to be in charge of this uh, and, and, and use these resources on my behalf, and I'm going to be leaving. And so the master leaves. And then when he comes back, he begins to ask each of them, what have you done with what I've given you? And to the one he gave the $2.5 million to, he comes back and says, well, hey, here's $5 million. He was able to double what the master gave him. And to the one he gave the $1 million to, he came back with $2 million and said, here you go. But then the third servant, who was given the half a million dollars, only had a half a million to give back to the master. And we'll watch and see how this plays out and how the master responds to each of the servants and what they were to be charged to do and what they actually did with what was given to them. But before we get into the word here, I'm going to just ask we take this time to pray and ask for the Lord's blessing upon this time of worship in his word. Father, we thank you for the scriptures. You speak into our hearts and lives. And Lord, we recognize that you are the one who owns everything. And we are simply stewards of the things that you've placed in our lap, the things you've placed in our hands, the things you've placed in us. How do we give back? How do we steward these things? I pray that you would show us these things today. Speak to us through your word. We're asking for your help as we desire to live more and more like you. So show us and help us to respond. We pray for our children's ministry today. May they be blessed as they're learning about you. Use our teachers and helpers. Bless them as they share their gifts and talents with these kids, all to your honor and to your glory. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. So Matthew 25, and we're going to start here in verse 14. This is Jesus speaking. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, so that two and a half million dollars. And to another he gave two, or one million dollars. And then to another one, one, or 500,000. And it says, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you've delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came in, and it says, Lord, you delivered me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents beside them. 
And his Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things, and I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back with my own, uh, back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, so as Jesus is sharing this parable of the talents, there's spiritual truths that are just packed into this story. The master is God, right? And the servants are people. And God equips people with resources. And what do they do with those resources? I want to point a couple of things out. In the midst of this, out of the three servants, from what I'm gathering, how I see this personally, is if we were to look at this as Jesus is trying to explain a spiritual truth here, I think the first two servants are people who are saved. And I think the third servant is not. But I want you to understand something. God has equipped all three of them. Now just think about this. There are people that are walking around, they're influencers, maybe you can even think of people in your own life. They may not have Christ in their life, but you can see that they're clearly gifted. Where do they get that? They get it from God. I mean, even though they're not saved, they still have things in their life that are given to them by God, but what are they doing with those resources And we see this settling of accounts, if you will, when the master comes back. And there's going to be a day when Jesus will come back and we will all have to stand before him and give an account for what we've done in the bodies that he has given us. And for believers, we will stand before Christ and there's this point where he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with little. I want you to think about this. Two and a half million dollars. You've been faithful with little. Just a tiny little two and a half million. And then he says, and now I'm going to put you in charge of even more. And so when Jesus is judging believers on our judgment day at the judgment seat of Christ, that's what it's called, we will receive rewards for what we have done with our salvation. And it won't be like Jesus will say, you know what, you did a really bad job, I'm going to throw you out. I mean, that's been settled at the cross. You have Jesus in your life, you're going to get into heaven. But at that judgment, 
Christ will give out rewards, and we're going to have jobs, and we're going to have things we're doing in heaven. It's not like we just float around. There's things we're going to be doing in the kingdom, and Jesus is trying to explain that truth to us. And so God will reward you if you're faithful to use the things that he's resourced you with to be a resource. Not to just hoard it all for your own kingdom and build an empire with your name on it as we are people who are generous in the kingdom of God because there's going to be a point where we'll stand before the Lord and we say, I was about your kingdom and he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. I'm going to put you in charge of even more. That's huge. But the servant who came back with no gain on what was given to him. See, how do you take your God-given gifts and just watch God use them? Well, you have to be willing to let God use you in that way. And if you don't have faith in Christ, you're not going to be serving in the kingdom. So you have what God gave you, but you never had any multiplication to it. You didn't do ministry with it. And so therefore, you're like this servant And because you did not have Christ and there was nothing that was gained with what God gave that particular individual, they're not allowed into heaven. In fact, it says, away from me. And Jesus says that they'll be cast out to where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I don't want to sugarcoat this, but they're they're going to be sent to hell. And that's a serious thing. And so all the things in life that they thought they would gain, all these resources, at that point, it's like none of that matters. I didn't do anything with Jesus for salvation. And I'll tell you right now, $500,000 won't get you out of hell. Only the blood of Jesus gets you out of hell. And we have to apply that into our lives. That is the foundation In order to be a resource to other people, we need to have salvation in our life. There's a variety of resources that God gives us. This isn't just about money. One of the first resources God gives us is time. He gives all of us time. And we we can fill our schedules pretty quick. Raise your hand if you feel like you have a crazy schedule. Okay. Right? We're all given the resource of of time. How do we use that time? Time is one of the most precious commodities that we all possess. Ephesians 5 tells us that we are to look carefully how we walk, not as unwise but as wise. And then it says, making the best use of our time. You know, often kind of in small chit-chat, we say, how you been? Busy. That's a common thing we say. And in the midst of that, are we, are we busy with kingdom things? Or are we busy just with all these activities that can kind of keep us distracted or occupied from doing what God really wants us to be doing? It says, make the best use of the time because the days are evil. It says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. God gives us time. Okay, God, you've given me today. What do you want me to do with today? You've been resourced to be a resource. You know, God gives us all a listening ear. 
How often do we give other people our ear to be able to, to listen to them and what might be going on in their lives? And He gave us time. He left heaven to come to this earth so that He could redeem us from sin. How often do we give others of our time? And it can be inconvenient. Right? We got places to go, we got things to do, and then all of a sudden there's an interruption. But are we willing to invest in those relationships because we know God is at work in and through those things? One resource is time. The other one, gifts and abilities. 1 Peter 4 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Then it says, As faithful stewards of God's grace, in its various forms. So whatever God's given you, you're to use it to serve others, and as you're doing so, you're a faithful steward. You're not an owner of those gifts, but you're a steward. It says they should do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. And so as we're using these gifts and abilities to serve others... We know that we're being good stewards, but then as God says, there's a ministry in that, and that ministry can lead people closer to God. So we know another resource available to people is money and possessions, and I want to take a second to address what the Bible calls the love of money. Money can be a very, very good thing. But when you begin to pour your heart into the direction of money, that's when it gets very demonic very quickly. 1 Timothy 6, verse 10, it says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It says, Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Then Ecclesiastes 5 10 and 11, it says, whoever loves money never has money enough. You will just chase after it and chase after it till the day that you die. You'll never have enough in that account. It says, whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. Ecclesiastes says, this too is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. It says, and what benefit are they to the owner except to feast his eyes on them? So we know the love of money is a problem. The Bible calls it out and even says you cannot serve both God and money. You've got to figure out who your God is, and you better figure it out right now. Because if, if you're serving money, it will take everything from you and won't give you those deep things that only God can give. Matthew 6 tells us that wherever our treasure is, there the desires of our heart will be also. And I was talking with somebody this, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, and we were in uh, premarital counseling, and we talked a little bit about money, and I just said, one of the things I just want to communicate is that if you live a life that when God puts something in your hand, you, you grab onto that and you think that is yours, and there's a possessiveness to that, um, and you won't, you won't let that freely move out of your hand to those around you, um, it's hard to receive anything with a clenched fist. So as God might try to pour things into your family's home or what have you, if you're hanging on to things like this, 
how will you be able to receive what God may be wanting to give you? But if that hand is open and whatever God puts into that hand, you let freely go out because you know there's a ministry in that. You know you can bless people that might be struggling. Who knows what the situation might be, but as you listen to the Holy Spirit, you let that move freely from this open hand. An open hand receives whatever God might want to pour into that. So don't have this possessiveness. God wants us to be open-handed and for the purpose of letting it flow through us, not for building our own empire. The last resource that I want to touch on is our very life. Romans 12.1 says this, Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that He's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that He will find acceptable. And it says this is truly the way to worship Him. I think that is the most important thing on that list of resources. Because you, you could get out the checkbook and write the biggest check and give it to whoever. But if God doesn't have your heart, to me it just seems like something that was sort of done in vain. And sometimes people think, well, if I just write that out, now God is happy with me. But if he doesn't have your heart, there's a problem. He wants your life. He wants our life. And the Apostle Paul says, I plead with you to give your bodies to the Lord. Serve Him in everything that you do. Sometimes it's easier to write the check than it is to actually get involved. But if God has our life, we'll go and we'll do whatever it is that He's asking us to do. But that can be hard. And in the midst of all of this, when you consider our time, our gifts and abilities, money, possessions, our very life, He gave you breath. Are you using that breath to praise Him? To give Him glory? Whatever it might be, God is the one who is gracing us with all of these resources. He's the source. He's the source of it all. Listen to these words of Charles Spurgeon. It says, Whatever be your position... And whatever be your gifts, remember that they're not yours, but they are lent to you from on high. And then this part here. No man has anything of his own except his sins. Oh. But then it says, we are but tenants at will, and God has put us into his estates. And he said, occupy until I come. Because of the grace of God, we know that God redeems us from our life of sin. But anything good that would flow from me is because of God's grace at work through me. We covered that last week. But we recognize that there's a grace in the midst. If you want to be an effective steward, then pray for God's wisdom and grace over the resources that He's given you. And I believe that God will show you these things. He will give you the wisdom to navigate how to steward well. I want to look at some characteristics here of the ineffective servant. There's a theology issue, if you will, with this first part. He had an inaccurate view of God. When he was called to account, one of the first things this servant says is, well, I know, You're a hard man. 
And so I was scared, kind of a reaction. He had this inaccurate view of God, and that inaccurate view even uh, flows into verse 26, and, and the master even affirms this man's inaccurate view. This, this guy's words to the master are actually condemning himself. Because he says, you knew that I reap where I did not sow. And, and so this accusation that's being made, reaping where he did not sow, is all the more reason for that man to get those resources to work. But he was too lazy. Or maybe he was busy. We already touched on that one. But we could come up with all kinds of excuses. Well, I'll do that tomorrow. Or I, I would love to do that someday. Well, in the midst of this, I, the reason why I think that this servant, as it's being represented in this story, the reason why I don't think he's saved is verse 29. Something's missing in this man's life. And it's not these additional resources that he could have brought to the master. He's missing the foundation of salvation. It says, everyone who has, they'll be given more. But whoever does not have, it says, even what he has will be taken. So wait a second. It says, whoever does not have, that man got $500,000. So what was it that he did not have if he had $500,000? And I think what he did not have was the kingdom alive in his heart. He wasn't saved. And so whatever God may give you, if you're not saved, you're not multiplying whatever it is that he's given you. The kingdom is what was missing in this man's life. And it says whoever has that, If you have the kingdom, God will be at work in your life. And it says even at that point, what they have, they'll be given even more. And that is God at work. And here's our verse for the week, Matthew 6.33. When it comes to the kingdom of God, Jesus says to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then it goes back to uh, this passage where he's saying, don't worry about anything. You know, what you'll eat, what, what you'll wear And Jesus says, all these things are going to be given to you. Just seek the kingdom first. Seek my righteousness. Stay focused on that, and I will provide for all of your needs. If you remember the question at the beginning when I said, could you imagine if somebody would provide for your needs until the day that you die, how would you live your life? That's not just some hypothetical question. That's truth. God says he will provide for all of our needs. So how does that affect the way that I live right here and right now? Those who have the kingdom in their hearts, they will be effective in the kingdom of God. There's fruit that flows from a believer. You don't have God in your life without something going on. He is the supernatural creator of all things. And when he shows up, stuff starts happening. So we do a little searching here in our own hearts and lives. Is there fruit? Are there things that are flowing from me that are clearly of the Lord's grace? Psalm 67 Verses 1 through 2 say, May God be gracious to us and bless us. It says, Look 
on us with favor. And then in verse 2, so we, we want verse 1, that's great. Be gracious to me, God. Bless me. Look on me with favor. Verse 2, it says, so that your way may be known on earth. Your salvation among all nations. We're to be a resource when God resources us. Not to just get more and more comfortable on this journey to heaven. It's to be useful in the kingdom. Is there fruit in your life? Another question would be, as you reflect on these things, is there anything going on in you right now that says, you know, I feel like maybe I'm like that third servant and I'm missing the kingdom in my heart. I close with a little bit of an illustration, but if you took a walk through a cemetery, there's tombstones all over. And there's people's names, the date they were born, the date they passed. But in between those is this dash. And that dash represents the life that they lived here on this earth. And what are we doing with that? Are we just going through the motions, trying to accumulate everything we can so that we just have more enjoyment, more things that will make us happy? Uh, the fact of the matter is, uh, you can fill your life with all sorts of possessions and thrills and frills and all that. If you read the book of Ecclesiastes, look, Solomon did all of that. And he was like, I still feel empty. Something's missing, and he knew that to truly have a sense of purpose in your life, it's because you are living for the Lord, obeying the Lord's commands, and loving God. That's what Solomon realized was the answer that was missing in his life. What does your dash look like? Psalm 90, verse 12, and I know our women's Bible study is going to be unpacking this in a series here soon, but it says to teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. We don't know when that day will be when we stand before the Lord and we give an account of our life. Teach us to number our days. There's wisdom in that because it says then I want my life to mean something. I want my day to mean something. I don't want to just go to work I want it to mean something. Ask God for His grace and guidance in that, and I believe you'll start to see some amazing kingdom things rolling day in and day out. Would you pray with me as we close? Lord, for all of us listening here today, I recognize that Lord, it is from your hand that we have everything in our life, the many resources that you've given us. Help us to be good stewards. May there be fruit in our life, kingdom fruit, that because we got up this morning or because we got up on Monday, things were happening in the kingdom. Help us to live like, like that. And Father, if there's, listen, there's someone listening right now that 
as they consider their own lives, they wonder, where is the fruit? It's possible they are missing salvation. The kingdom is not real in their heart. And if they desire that today, I I want to invite them to pray to receive Christ to be the king of their life. And with the king comes the kingdom. If you desire to receive him today, I just simply invite you to pray with me in your heart and just say, Jesus, I want you to be the king of my life. I want to be a part of the kingdom of God. So I come to you recognizing the only thing I bring to the table is my sin, but also a willingness to repent of that sin. And so I ask for forgiveness that you would cleanse me and make me new. And as I receive you today, I'm asking that I would also receive the great purpose that you have on my life. Please use the resources that you've given me to be a blessing in your kingdom. And I thank you for saving me. Lord, we lift these things to you now in Jesus' name. Amen.